0: God and sin, how far apart they're separated, how far sinning, sinning is from the, from the mission of Jesus Christ. John says, don't be fooled. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 tells us precisely the exact same thing. It's all over scripture, but this is a good reference for you. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Okay? I've been drunk more times than you folks have seen on television probably. And that's not saying that in a proud fashion. But and such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our Lord. Jesus Christ came to do away with mine and your sin, didn't he? That's his purpose. And John says, he ends up there, he says, the proof of who we are is in what we do. The proof of who we are. See, I like to... I like to, when I mess up, I like to give myself some slack and say, well, I meant well. I want to ascribe motives to what I do, right? But when Ron messes up, I want to judge him on his actions, right? John says it's not that way. We all get judged on our actions, don't we? James one twenty two says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. So we've looked at sin's nature and we know that practicing sin is practicing lawlessness. Now let's look at sin's origin, which is point number two in your notes there. Practicing sin, point number two, practicing sin is following the devil. Ow. Okay. Practicing sin is following the devil. Verses eight and nine here. Because sin's origin is from the devil. John lays this out plainly in black and white. Let's look at verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. I want y'all to say that with me. The devil, come on, the devil has been sinning from the beginning, right? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So John lays this out plainly. So we need to ask ourselves the question, who do I resemble? Who do you resemble? Now, I have the benefit of being from a little podunk town in South Georgia. We still, to this day, have one caution light. I probably haven't been home in 15, 18 years of any, any consequence. You know, I might have driven through the town, visited some friends or something. But I can go back... And I can look at second and third generations and I can go, you guys are Delks. You guys are Hughes's. You guys are Arnold's. You guys are Smith's. And I can name all the families of the people that that I grew up. And I can, I can even bet them money. I bet either your dad or your uncle is, is this guy. And they go, how do you know that? Well, how do I know that? Family resemblance, right? Who do, who do they resemble? Well, that's a physical family resemblance. What about a spiritual? family resemblance. Remember, in John eight forty four, Christ is talking with the Jews and they're trying to make Christ understand that Abraham is our father. He said, nah, if Abraham was your father, you'd be walking in faith because Abraham, you'd have the faith of Abraham. And then they tried an end around and they said, well, uh, uh, God is our father. He said, no. He said, if God were your father then you would believe me. So spiritually, who we resemble is based on how we act, right? Do you see that? Who we resemble spiritually is based on how they act. In the second half of verse 8 there, John lays out Christ's purpose in coming. He says, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. That's the second part of Christ's mission statement. As a matter of fact, John 12, 31 and 32, Christ is speaking to his disciples and he says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, speaking of the cross, will what? Will draw all people to myself. And once again, this brings us right back to these hard statements of John. The question of how serious we are about aligning with Christ's mission and what happens when we sin. This is hard stuff to hear, isn't it? It's okay. I get it. It's hard for me. And some of you might say, but Nate, I just can't help but sin. It just happens to me. I I, I just, I, I can't help it. Well, first of all, I need to tell you that biblically you're wrong. And that's as kindly as I can put it. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, no temptation has overtaken you that has not come to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We do not have to sin, never fall for that lie, never be deceived by Satan, and never be deceived by the world that says we have to sin. We don't have to. Matter of fact, the Bible encourages us to resist the devil. James 4, 5 through 7 says what? Matter of fact, let's just go there. Let's just flip a couple of pages back. I I think that's that important. James chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. And let's take a look at that. 4, 5 through 7, James. Or do you suppose that it's to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us? God has put his seed, his spirit in us, and he's jealous about it. Now, we think jealousy is a bad thing, but jealousy means I want to exercise the rights that belong to me. If some feller's flirting with my wife, I don't want him exercising the rights that belong. I'm right to be jealous, and God is right to be jealous about the spirit that he puts in us. He yearns jealousy over, jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in, but he gives more grace, doesn't he? God always is gracious. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We don't have to sin, and we're encouraged to fight, to resist. Not in our own strength. Because in both of these cases, we have to run to Christ. It's not Nate Arnold who's resisting the devil. I'm toast if I do that. I have to run to Christ and get Christ's strength. It's not me who is, is saying that this temptation is in my life and I'm able to overcome it. No, I have to run to Jesus Christ and I have to get his strength and his power. And if we're honest, you may say, but the truth is, Nate, I still do sin. I still do sin. And everyone in the room should be going this way, including me. I still do sin. And what do I do now? I'll just flip, flip back to John chapter 1. Beautiful, beautiful scripture. 1 John, chapter, or first John uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So even then, we need to run to Christ, don't we? We need to go to Christ. And you can almost, in this, in this section, as I thought about it, I said, you know, you can almost overlay the Lord's prayer on my struggles in my life here and my struggles with sin. First of all, says, Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge who God is. Your name, I pray that your name is holy, that it's famous throughout the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. I'm ascribing to your mission statement. Give me what I need for today. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive as we forgive others. And Lord, lead me away from temptation. Because if I get in temptation... I'm toast, and deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You can almost overlay the Lord's prayers in our struggle here. And verse 9, John brings his point once again to a logical, hard, -hard, rock-hard, black-and-white conclusion. Verse 9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Makes a practice. How's your practice? Makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. The one uh, who is born of God does not and cannot keep on sinning. And why might you ask, because why why might they not be able to, to or not keep on sinning? It's because God disciplines us when we sin, doesn't he? If we try to keep on sinning, my wife is a biblical counselor. I, as an elder, do a lot of counseling and talk to people in the, in the church. And I can tell you the most miserable people on the planet are Christians who are sinning and don't want to change. And they want you to tell them it's okay. It's not okay. If you want to be miserable... Then you're going to be on, if you want to continue to sin, you're going to be miserable and you're going to be under God's discipline. That's why the scripture says no one can keep on sinning. No, if, if God's seed abides in him, if his spirit is in you. So we've looked at sin's nature, which is lawlessness. We've looked at sin's origin, which is from the devil. And we know that Christ came to take away sin and destroy the works of the devil. So now let's look at our final point practicing sin is not following god and again the uh, the apostle of the, the the apostle of love is by far the hardest on us of uh, anywhere in the in the scripture i mean he just puts it plain this is john's black and white grand summary statement verse 10 John says, this is what reveals or makes evident the children of God and the children of of the devil. Let's look at this, verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Do you remember the parable of the sheep? In uh, Matthew 25, do you remember the parable of the sheep? The parable of the sheep is, it says when Christ returns at the last day, he's going to sit on his throne and he's going to put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sign this as your homework. How about that? You ever get homework from the preacher? Okay, all right, you're going to get it today. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. That's your Write it down. Okay. Matthew 25, 31 through 46 parable of the sheep and the goats. And when you look at this, you're going to see that Christ commends the sheep. And he says, come, blessed of my father, enter into the joy. And, and for you did this, and you did this, and you did this. And, and they go, when did we see you, Jesus, doing that? And he said, as much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And then he handles the goats with nearly identical, uh, uh, structure there. He says, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do this. And they go, when did we see you, Christ? He goes, as much as you didn't do to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Depart into everlasting fire and torment, misery. And if you'll look carefully at that scripture, you'll see that the only difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and did not do. What they did and did not do. You see, it's our actions, it's our practice that demonstrates who we serve, isn't it? It's when our motives are displayed by what we do. So in conclusion, and I know you guys are glad I'm there, let's look at the logic of the overall passage. It won't take us but a second here, but I want this in your mind as you're leaving before we close and go all the way back to chapter 2, verse 28, and I want to lay the logic of the passage out before you so you see. In chapter 28, we see that, or in verse 28, sorry, uh, Christ is coming back. The second half of 28, we don't want to be ashamed when Christ comes back. And in, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says we're God's children right now, so we don't want to be ashamed. And verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3 says, if we want to be like Christ, we need to work to purify ourselves. And then verses 3... Our verses 4 through 10 tell us there's a clear and discernible difference between those who are Christ and those who are not. That's what I just preached through. You see the logic of that? Does that strike fear in your heart or does that strike joy in your heart? Good answer. (laughs) Both, right? Yeah, both. Both. So let me land the airplane. Let me ask you a question. Christian, how's your practice? How's your practice? Are you in alignment with Christ and his mission? Do you come to him daily in repentance for sin? I don't know about y'all, but I blow it every day. I do. I'm just being honest. I run to Christ <gasps> I remember the story of uh, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon and he was walking across the street and, and buggies are going by and he stopped and he took off his hat and he put it on his chest and stood there a minute in the middle of the street and put his hat back on and he went on across the street and the lady stopped him. She said, Spurgeon, what are you doing? He said, ma'am, I have learned to keep short accounts with God. When I, when I sin, I stop right then and take care of it. Okay. Yeah? Do you do that? Do you come to him daily in repentance for sin? Because that's Christ's mission. Are you aligning with Christ's mission? Is he tearing down the works of the devil in your life? That's Christ's mission. Do you run to him for righteousness, both before and after you sin? Because I like to wait till I'm in trouble, right? (laughs) That's what I do. And, you know, I'm... Too dumb to do otherwise sometimes. But but both before and after you sin, are you trusting in him? or Are you trying to work it out on yourself, uh, with, by yourself, on your own righteous deeds? Do you follow him in obedience? Is Christ the one you desire most? And I like the way the Puritans used to put it. Is Christ the focus of your highest affections? Let that soak for just a second. Is Christ the focus of your highest affection? There's nothing better in heaven and earth than I want than Christ. Is that is that your heart? Well, maybe this morning you aren't following Christ. And in the course of this message, the Lord has revealed to you that you're trapped in sin. That's where you are. Well, if that's true, I want you to know that God is calling you right now to himself. He's calling you to repent and to turn to Christ right now. And he will set you free. So whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, I encourage you to run to Christ every last time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. This is not stuff that I would make up. And it's not stuff that I would understand without your grace. And it's not stuff that I could do without your spirit. And it's not something I could get free from without your son. So, Father, thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your reminding. And, Lord, change us. For there is nothing better. There is no one better and all the universe than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, let us flee to Him. Let us run to Him. Let us desire to be conformed and made into His image. And let us actively produce fruits from the right root, which is Christ. Grant this, Lord, to this people, I ask, and to myself. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.